Hello friends, it's December 19th, a new day with new mercies and new discoveries to be made. We are well into the month of December on our one-year Bible tour guide podcast, and today we will be starting the 36th book of the Old Testament, the book of Zephaniah, and continuing our trek through the last book of the New Testament, the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, written by the Apostle John while on the island of Patmos off the coast of present-day Turkey. My name is David McAdam, and I have the privilege of reading aloud God's Word each day and taking a few moments to bring a few comments to help you see how all these component parts of the Bible fit together into a unified whole, a revelation of the one true God and His one true plan of salvation. The prophets were given to speak God's mind to the kings of Israel and Judah. Zephaniah prophesies during the reign of King Josiah in the 7th century B.C., He will prophesy God's judgment that would come upon wickedness and corruption, but also his plan to restore Judah. Zephaniah will use the term, the day of the Lord, which refers to both the impending historical judgments as well as the final judgment at the end of the age. He gives out an important call that should inspire us all to look to Christ for salvation. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth who have carried out his ordinances. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you'll be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Zephaniah 2, verse 3. So today we will read the book of Zephaniah in its entirety as it consists only of three chapters, and I will be reading from the English Standard Version. The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. The Coming Judgment on Judah. I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and the rubble with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the name of the idolatrous priests along with the priests those who bow down on the roofs to the host of the heavens, those who bow down and swear to the Lord and yet swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of Him. The day of the Lord is near. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated His guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice... I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. The goods shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, 
a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind, so that they shall walk like the blind, because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy all the earth shall be consumed, for a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Chapter 2. Judgment on Judah's Enemies Gather together, yes, gather, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do His just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. For Gaza shall be deserted, and Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, you nation of the Cherethites! The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. And you, O seacoast, shall be pastures, with meadows for shepherds and folds for flocks. The seacoast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which they shall graze, and in the houses of Ashkelon they shall lie down at evening. For the Lord their God will be mindful of them, and restore their fortunes. I have heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Ammonites, how they have taunted my people and made boasts against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom, and the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits, and a waste forever. The remnant of my people shall plunder them, and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. This shall be their lot in return for their pride, because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome against them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and to him shall bow down each in its place all the lands of the nations. You also, O Cushites, shall be slain by my sword, and he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, and he will make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like the desert. Herds shall lie down in her midst, all kinds of beasts, even the owl and the hedgehog shall lodge in her capitals. A voice shall hoot in the window. Devastation will be on the threshold, for her cedar work will be laid bare. This is the exultant city that lived securely, that said in her heart, I am and there is no one else. What a desolation she has become, a lair for wild beasts. Everyone who passes by her hisses and shakes his fist. Chapter 3. Judgment on Jerusalem and the Nations Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. She listens to no voice, she accepts no correction, she does not trust in the Lord, she does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions, her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men, her priests profane what is holy, they do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. 
Each dawn he does not fail, but the unjust knows no shame. I have cut off nations, their battlements are in ruins. I have laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate, without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, Surely you will fear me, you will accept correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Therefore wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey. For my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. The Conversion of the Nations For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve Him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshippers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. On that day you shall not be put to shame, because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord, those who are left in Israel. They shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. For they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Israel's Joy and Restoration Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival, so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth, when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament, and it concludes our reading of the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah prophesied during the reign of King Josiah. He was a contemporary of the prophet Jeremiah. Although there was a great reformation in the days of Josiah, triggered by the discovery in the temple of the long-lost book of Deuteronomy, Zephaniah makes no reference to any revival. This is likely because the reformation was superficial. King Josiah may have been repentant, but his subjects were probably going through the motions of religious piety due to external social pressure rather than a change of heart. It is likely that the king was sincere and loyal in his turning to the Lord. He was a popular ruler, and out of respect, the people followed his example and began to externally conform to new religious habits. But there was no true repentance. Zephaniah cuts to the chase and announces fierce judgment coming upon Judah. Although there had been outward reformation, idolatrous Baal worship kept its hold on the people and their priests. The prophet picks up the theme of the judgment that will be felt in Jerusalem. 
It is a foreshadowing of a greater global judgment known as the Day of the Lord. There is more written about the Day of the Lord in the book of Zephaniah than any of the other minor prophets. God sees through the religious veneer of the human heart. He deals with the sin of indifference. It will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit, who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good or evil. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 12. The day of the Lord includes the imminent judgment of the Babylonian conquest, but also looks beyond to the great tribulation in the future. Its impact will be felt in all the earth. A day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, in Zephaniah 1.15. And here is a word of warning to the materialist. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the Lord's wrath, and all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy, for he will make a complete end, indeed a terrifying one, of all the inhabitants of the earth. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 18. The prophet gives warning of the coming day to provoke repentance. His admonition to gather yourselves together may be a colloquial expression for get your act together, in Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 1. Put your trust in God, for it is only God who can save us from His own wrath against sin. He exhorts all people to seek to know Him and His deliverance. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth, who have carried out His ordinances. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be hidden in the days of the Lord's anger. Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3. He calls them to gather in a solemn assembly and repent. Judgment will start with the house of the Lord, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. So he announces the destruction that will be felt in Judah. It will also be felt in the surrounding areas of Philistia, the seacoast towns of Ascalon and Gaza, the towns of Ekron and Ashdod. The prophet sets forth both the severity and goodness of God. Although a deserved punishment is coming to Judah, there is hope for a faithful remnant. They will one day possess the land of Philistia, it is part of Israel now. And the coast will be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They will pasture on it. In the houses of Ashkelon they will lie down at evening. For the Lord their God will care for them and restore their fortune. Zephaniah chapter 2 verse 7. Zephaniah prophesies against the neighboring nations of Moab and Ammon in chapter 2 verses 8 through 11. Cush and Ethiopia in chapter 2 verse 12. And Assyria in verses 13 through 15. Zephaniah saw the destruction of Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, well before it happened. This fulfillment should inspire us to trust that the other prophecies will come to pass. The third and final chapter reveals God's plan for Jerusalem and the Gentile nations. Jerusalem, once the city of peace, is now called by the prophet the tyrannical city, proud and independent. Zephaniah goes down the line and indicts the leaders, judges, prophets, and priests for violating God's law. He contrasts God's righteousness with their unfaithfulness. Their love for their sin prevented them from receiving the Lord's instruction. The Lord promises to bring judgment upon all nations, yet He promises that He will purify a remnant. For then I will give to the peoples purified lips, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord to serve Him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshippers, my dispersed ones, will bring my offerings. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. 
He will leave his people humble and purified. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong and tell no lies, nor will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths, for they will feed and lie down with no one to make them tremble. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 13. The Lord delights in the finished product of his purified people. He promises to regather the dispersed and restore their fortunes. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Now for our next stop in our Bible reading tour, we go to the New Testament, the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. The Angel and the Little Scroll Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and called out with a loud voice, like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, raised his right hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives for ever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, You must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. And this is the end of our reading of today's portion from the New Testament, the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, to be continued. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. After the sixth trumpet, we have an interlude of encouragement. Chapter 10, verse 1 through chapter 11, verse 14, before the seventh trumpet judgment. This is a pattern that we see developing in the book of Revelation. There was an interlude between the sixth and seventh seal judgments in chapter 7, and there will be another between the sixth and seventh bowl judgments in Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. A strong angel makes an announcement that the end is in sight. History's climax is just around the corner. There will be no more delay. The final outpouring of judgment in the form of the seven bowls would come, and then the judgment would be complete. These judgments would be as definitive as the plagues that came upon Egypt at the time of the Exodus, and yet these would be global. The mystery of God would be fulfilled in chapter 10, verse 7. God's wrath against evil would be poured out fully in chapter 16, verse 17. And the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our God and of His Christ in chapter 11, verse 15. God's plan to deal with evil will be fulfilled in perfect time. John sees another strong angel. 
I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud. And the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. Revelation chapter 10, verse 1. The Greek word for another is alos, which means another of the same kind. This probably refers to a special rank among the angels, similar to the one we met in Revelation chapter 5, verse 2, when we read, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? This angel is clothed with a cloud. The image of a cloud is used nine times in the book of Revelation as a symbol of judgment. A rainbow is on his head, which is a symbol of mercy. So we see a combination that is indicative of the righteous character of God, one of perfect justice and mercy. In his wrath he remembers mercy. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2. His face is like the sun, and his feet are like pillars of fire. Some commentators see this angel as being the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus is never referred to as an angel. Angels can have a glorious appearance. Moses' face shone after spending time in God's presence in Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. Believers in the future age will have glorified bodies with faces that shine. Having feet like pillars of fire symbolically refers to the fact that he is treading out the judgment of God. His right foot is on the sea and his left foot is on the land. This speaks of a universal judgment upon every possible place for human habitation. No realm will escape his judgment. There will be no place to escape. His voice is as loud as when a lion roars. The Lord promises to defend his people. The whole earth should tremble at the judgment that he brings. In Amos chapter 3 verses 7 through 10. In Amos chapter 3 verse 8 we read, A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? There are accompanying thundering voices giving intelligible instruction. This brings to mind the sevenfold spirit of the Lord conveying the word of God. The angel makes the great announcement that the mystery of God is finished. All the prophecies concerning the day of the Lord and the kingdom of God are coming to a conclusion. The question that was asked by the martyrs in Revelation chapter 6 verse 10 is now being answered. There we read, And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? The seventh angel will sound the seventh trumpet and dispense the final seven bowl judgments. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. What about the small book? It is held open-faced in the hand of the strong angel. In Revelation chapter 10 verse 2. The voice from heaven instructs John to take the book out of the hand of the angel. The angel tells John to take it and eat it. He will find that it is as sweet as honey to the mouth, but it will be bitter to the stomach. In verse 10. This is similar to Ezekiel's experience that we read about in chapter 3 of Ezekiel verses 1 through 4. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go, speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me this scroll. He said to me, Son of man, feed your stomach, and fill your body with this scroll which I am giving you. Then I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel, and speak with my words to them. Ezekiel chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. 
The word that the Apostle John and the Prophet Ezekiel received was sweet to their personal taste, but as they digested it, they realized the heavy responsibility of bearing this message to others. They carried with them an awareness of the bitter repercussions of that word not being received by the hearers. It is sweet to think of the Lord's coming. It is sweet to think of His mercy. It is sweet to think of Him reigning in righteousness. It is bitter to think of the reality of sin and its consequences. We cannot forget this. We bear it in our belly, even as we speak the sweet promises of God. It is sweet to think of our sins forgiven, our eternal state as heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Yet we have this gut conviction that God is holy and judges sin righteously. We tend to overestimate man's goodness and underestimate God's holiness. The thought of the reality of hell, an eternity of weeping and gnashing of teeth and eternal torment, that is a bitter reality to which we must bear witness. John receives a commission. He is to speak the whole truth, the bitter and the sweet. And they said to me, You must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Revelation chapter 10 verse 11. By this time, John was an old man and perhaps was wondering how he would fulfill this commission. Yet kings, people, and nations have read his prophecies as they have been written and distributed around the world. Now let's move to our next stop on our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, Psalm 138. Give thanks to the Lord, a Psalm of David. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. This is a wonderful psalm of worship and adoration. The psalmist sees how the written word, that is the Bible, magnifies the living word, that is Christ. And the living word, Christ, magnifies the written word, the Bible. The word is magnified according to God's name. The name refers to God's self-revelation. It refers to all his attributes as the God-man. The psalmist praises God because he answers prayer. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Verse 3. Our prayer life affords us communion with the Lord. With greater personal knowledge of the Lord, there is greater boldness. Fellowship with God and answered prayers strengthen us in our innermost being. We must pray that the kings of this earth will have ears to hear the word of God and that they will sing of the ways of the Lord. Psalm 138 verse 4 The psalm affirms that the Lord can be trusted. He will revive us in verse 7a and deliver us in verse 7b and save us in verse 7c. The final verse contains both affirmations and a prayer request. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Psalm 138, verse 8. 
And now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, verses 11 through 14. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are those, how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. This proverb describes the folly of the self-deceived. There are those who disrespect their parents, even though it is commanded in God's law. There are those who pay attention to outward cleanness, but not to the defilement within. There are those who are blinded to their own faults, as they are quick to attack others and ignore the needy. Now let's pray in light of what we have just read. Gracious Father, we thank you with all our hearts. You have magnified your word by giving us a flesh-and-blood representation of who you are in the person of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He has magnified your word and name, for he is the living word. We are grateful that through him we have tasted and know that you are good. We ask that you embolden us through our fellowship in the word and make us faithful witnesses to your truth, both the sweet and the bitter aspects. We recognize both the severity and the mercy of your ways. Keep us from forgetfulness, foolishness, and self-deception. We pray for true revival with genuine repentance and saving faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's a wrap on today's reading from the One Year Bible, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow. Thank you for joining with me on this journey. And if you have any questions or comments, you can always write to us at podcast at newlife.org, and we will get back in touch with you as soon as possible. Also, if you would like a written copy of each day's commentary on the Bible readings, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. That's newlife.org. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. Shalom. Shalom.